Good morning. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? Today's message comes from Psalm chapter 93. The Psalms are the prayers of God's people to be sung, spoken corporately. So would you join with me reading it aloud? And so we begin. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would bless your word and the preaching of it by our brother Pete. We're thankful for his presence and for his service, his generosity in preaching, the, the preparation and prayer, the sacrifice of his mind and heart and uh, energy to serve us. So, Lord, uh, empower him, uh, love him as he loves us for your glory, for our joy. We pray in your name. Amen. Uh, I want to bring Pastor Pete Rennie up. You guys can have a seat. Pete is our He's our brother from uh, Inverness, Scotland. Uh, Pete Rennie uh, is a church planter as well. He planted, um, what's the name of your church? Living Hope, Living Hope right? Um, in Inverness, Scotland, which is actually the town in which uh, Loch Ness, the, which is, Loch is just lake. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. just Lake but, Ness, right? Yeah. Um, but in Scottish. But in Scottish, in Scottish. Um, I've known Pete now about eight or nine years, uh, and our church began supporting his church when they first planted uh, years ago, uh, and we've had a great just partnership and friendship, and he's a very kind man. Um, his preaching has a special power because we, he preaches in his amazing Scottish accent, and the Bible always works on you when it's in Scottish accent, um, but he's been in town here. Uh, we've gotten to spend some good time with him in fellowship, um, and we're thankful that you're here to preach. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, love you, man. Let me pray for you real quick, too. Yeah, All right. Father, once again, thank you for Pete. We ask for your uh, provision and protection over his wife, uh, Anne, and, and his daughter, Emily, uh, over in Scotland while he's here taking care of us. Lord, once again, please touch our hearts. Uh, work through Pete in a powerful way. Demonstrate your power. Demonstrate your might, uh, especially for those of us who are in the midst of uh, thundering storms and rising tide waters. Uh, Lord, please, please let your word show us that you are mighty. Uh, and we ask that you would do it through the faithful preaching of our of our brother Pete. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks, buddy. Amen. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Well, it's uh, great to be with you again. I think this is my third time at RCC. Um, first time, I think, was 2017, then 2019. And so really good to connect with, reconnect with some old faces, some familiar faces, and good to, to meet some new ones as well. Um, I've told Matt many times, that if it wasn't for your church, our church wouldn't exist. But the support that you guys and Greenbrier and GCC gave us um, in the early days of our church has allowed us to, uh, to exist as a church in, in the north of Scotland. And so um, I want you to know that there's a lot of Scottish love and appreciation for y'all. Um, and personally, it just does me good to hang out with RCC guys. It refreshes me and it's exciting to see what God is doing in you and through you in this part of the world. I also particularly love that you're doing a series in the Psalms at the moment. So at Living Hope, 
we do a, a, a series in the Psalms called Summer in the Psalms, every summer, obviously, um, where we just take some Psalms each week and, and work our way through. So exactly what you're doing here, we do uh, in however many miles away we are in Scotland. Um, and we love it because the Psalms are just a totally unique book, aren't they? They're so special um, to us because as Athanasius said, famously put it, and I'm sure you've had this quoted already, um, while most of Scripture speaks to us, the Psalms speak for us. The Psalms give us, put words to our experience, don't they? They provide a framework through which we process what we see and what we hear in our lives. And that's very true of Psalm 93. And so this time last week, um, I was at Inverness Airport, which is essentially a glorified cow shed. Um, and I was boarding a flight to Heathrow, and then from Heathrow I was flying on to an accident conference in Denver. And Inverness Airport isn't very big. You don't normally need much time to be there. Like, yeah, the time it takes to get a train from a terminal to the pickup baggage in Atlanta is how long it normally takes us to kind of check in, get through security, and be good to go. But I turned up last Sunday, and as soon as I went in, I was like, oh dear. The queue for bag drop was long. And then the queue to security was even longer. And neither were moving anywhere fast. I don't know what happened, but something had obviously gone wrong somewhere in the process. And so I walked in and I thought, that's okay. I've got 90 minutes before my flight. I'm quite calm. This isn't going to be a problem. And then slowly but surely, time ticked past. And I moved a few steps at a time and a few more and a few more. And I ended up in security, but found myself getting increasingly restless and anxious. You know that kind of, I describe it as like a scratchy stomach feeling. You're just like, something's scratching inside of me. And you start just getting really concerned and worried and restless. So my, my mind anxiously began to question whether I was going to make this flight or not. And then I started trying to like calculate the speed that the queue was moving. And so how far are they moving and how far have we got to go? And I realized that we were moving at a rate of zero. We were going nowhere. And so I'm sitting there thinking, there's no way I'm making this flight. And so then my mind begins, from this experience, begins to start catastrophizing. So I'm thinking, if I miss the flight to London, I miss the flight to Denver. Now, is this my problem or their problem? Am I going to have to pay to rebook flights or are they going to pay for the reflights? Can I afford new flights? What time would the new flight be? What about the guy I'm meeting in London to fly out with? I then start getting all antsy and frustrated with the staff who really couldn't have done much about it. Um, obviously, it wasn't a problem with the staff that are next to me. And other passengers, you start to get frustrated. Like, Why aren't you moving quicker? You ever had times like that? The situation is out of control and results in you becoming an unsettled, frantic, anxious, worried. We all know that feeling, don't we? But in the middle of that queue, I began to recite to myself Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. You see, because I started looking at this psalm for today, for this moment, and it speaks into moments like that. Psalm 93 tells us that God is king, and so we can trust him in the floods. And that simple truth helped to calm me in the chaos. As I'm counting down the time, I think the Lord reigns. If I make this flight or don't make this flight, the Lord reigns. He has a purpose in that. And the anxiety starts to go and the calmness, there's a firmness to me. 
as I wait in that queue. See, Psalm 93 helped me and it can help you in the chaos of life too. And how it does that is what we're going to explore this morning. So why don't we pray one more time as we come to God's word. Ask that he would speak to us and that he would use this psalm to shape us in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the grittiness of your word. Thank you that your word isn't detached from our real lives, but that you, as the creator of this universe, have, cho uh, have chosen to speak into the lives of us, your created people. Father, thank you that the Psalms speak for us. They give us words to describe the experiences. They, they give us a framework through which we might see and understand the world and know how to respond in light of our faith in you. And so, Father, I pray today as we open Psalm 93 that your spirit would speak through me into the hearts of all of us in this room. Holy Spirit, would you soften our hearts? Would you open our ears? Would you open our eyes? Open our minds so that we might hear and receive your word, that you might implant it in our hearts and produce the fruit of faith in our lives. Lord, we ask this for our good and for the glory of your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. When the Queen died a month ago or so, um, I tried to explain to my two-year-old daughter, Emily, the concept of, of monarchy. It was all over the place, and I thought, it's quite a good idea to, to introduce her to what a king or a queen is. And I wonder how you would go about doing that. My strategy was to, to Google some pictures, some, some cartoons of a king or a queen, and to show that to her and show them show her the pictures of this queen sitting on her throne, wearing her crown on her head and, and holding her scepter in her hands. And through these symbols, I tried to explain to her what a monarch is like, what a king or a queen does. And Psalm 93 opens up in the same way. It's as if God sits us on his lap and shows us a picture of himself and says, this is the type of king that I am. The psalmist in here begins by explaining by showing us a picture of what God's like. He says, The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. And so as you and I picture God as king, we need to see him as being someone who is robed in majesty. Our king, God, is clothed in beauty, like a bride on her wedding day. Radiant, uh, radiantly um, beautiful, just draws your attention towards her. That's what God looks like. He is radiantly beautiful. He draws our attention towards himself. But not only that, we're also told that, that around his waist is a belt of strength. Our king is not just beautiful, he is equipped with might like Chip Gaines equipped with his power tools or a warrior with a sword or a Jedi with his lightsaber. God is equipped with power and with strength. Psalm 93 shows us a picture of God as a king of beautiful strength. And that picture is what provides stability for you and I in life. Look how the psalm continues. Yes, certainly. The world is established, it shall never be moved. Your throne 
is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The assurance of this psalm is that our beautifully strong king reigns over this world. The world is secure and our lives are stable because God is in charge of it all. You see, that's what good monarchs or good leaders do, isn't it? They provide stability for their people. That's become really apparent. We've experienced that in the UK over over the last month. You see, Queen Elizabeth II was the longest reigning monarch that we had ever had. She reigned for 70 years. You, You all know that. Before she died... Apparently, 94% of the global population had never lived a day where she wasn't the queen. Her reign as a good queen provided stability for our country. Her very presence reassured people in difficult times that everything will be okay. So in the midst of COVID, she does a live address in which she says, we will meet again. And it calms the whole place down. And so what's happened is her passing has caused uncertainty in the UK just now. I was talking to some guys, I don't know if it's here or elsewhere in this last week, where I talked about, I, I, we had never sung God Save the King before. And so at randomly our whole life is God Save the Queen. She dies. I was like, do we get to sing that one more time? No, it's done. It's now God Save the King. And so there's this uncertainty around us. Oh, what happens now? We're unsure of what the future will be, what changes it will bring. We're unsure of what type of king King Charles is going to be. You see, good monarchs provide stability for our people. And Psalm 93 shows us that God is the greatest monarch who provides the greatest stability for his people. See, Elizabeth was good. She provided 70 years of stability. Her reign began February the 6th, 1952, and it ended on the 8th of September, 2022. But God's reign is greater because God's reign never began And it never ends. He never had a first day as king or a last day as king. God has always been and always will be king. He's always reigned. The God who is beautifully and strong is an everlasting king who reigns from from forever for forever. His throne is from old. Which means as you and I look back on human history we are to see that there's never been a day, in fact, there's never been a moment or a second of a day when our beautifully strong God has not reigned over the events of this world. Like if you and I could get into a time machine, a TARDIS or something like that, and go on a whistle-stop tour of history, we could never find ourselves arriving in a moment when God was not king. You know that? He reigned over COVID. He reigned on 9-11. He reigned during the civil rights movement. He reigned when JFK was assassinated. He reigned when Neil Armstrong set foot on the moon. He reigned through the Great Depression. He reigned when George Washington became president. He reigned on the first ever Independence Day. He reigned as Columbus discovered the new world. You get the point? 
There isn't a second in all of human history that God was not king. And the Bible teaches that he's not, part, he's not king over some parts of life. He's king over all of life. He's king over the big things. He's the one who makes nations great and who destroys them, Job 12, 23. He's the one who makes wars to cease, Psalm 46, verse 9. He's the one who commands the lightning and the wind, Job 38, 34. He's the one who calls the stars by name, Psalm 147.4. He's the one who holds the depths of the earth and the heights of the mountains in his hand, Psalm 95, verse 4. He reigns over the big stuff in life. But he also reigns over the small things in life. A sparrow doesn't die apart from him, Matthew 10, 29. The hairs on your head are numbered by him. Matthew 10.30 The roll of the dice in Vegas is determined by him. Proverbs 16.33 Every day of your life, every word that you will speak, every thought that you will have has been written by him. Psalm 139 verse 16 Your needs are already known to him before you even think of asking for them. Matthew 6 verse 8 Friends, the truth of Psalm 93 is that our God is king. He always has been. He always will be. He rules over all of the earth in beautiful strength. That's the picture of God that we are given in this psalm. Isn't it great? It is. It's a great picture. But here's what I know. I know that no matter how great that truth is, it's a hard one to swallow, isn't it? I have sat in enough pastoral meetings to know that it can be difficult for us to reconcile God's reign with our present pain. See, difficult things happen in life, don't they? Things that cause us to ask, if God is a king and he is beautifully strong, then why is this happening? There are many ugly things that happen in this world. Pre-church prayer, we're praying for a girl, I think she was seven. No, sorry, seven months. Seven months. She's going through chemo. The Acts 29 conference in Denver this week, we, we prayed for a couple who just last Thursday lost their 17-year-old son to leukemia. Those experiences make us question and doubt whether God really does reign in beautiful strength, don't they? I wonder if you've ever found yourself asking that question. How does the truth of this psalm match up with the experience of my life? See, maybe you're asking that question today. I mean, we are living in unstable times. There is financial chaos. The cost of living is rising. We're all feeling the squeeze on our budgets, right? There's political chaos. In, in the UK, it, it, is, it, is, it is crazy. We've had four prime ministers in 26 days, and there is chat that they want to get rid of the current person after 28 days, when 10 of those was a holiday for the Queen's funeral. She said 18 days. 
And I've heard a rumor or two that America isn't much more stable than us at the moment politically. <laughs> There's whispers. There is chaos across Europe with the war in Ukraine. There is ongoing fallout around the world around COVID. This world is a pretty volatile place right now. It feels like things are out of control. And so maybe things are chaotic for you at a personal level right now too. Perhaps you're here today and there is strain in your marriage. Or you're worried about your kids or there's family or relational issues going on. Perhaps you're here today and you're unsure of how you're going to pay the bill. Or what's going to happen with your job or your business. Perhaps you're here and you're anxious over a test where you're waiting for, the results coming back. Or, or you're struggling to cope mentally. You don't feel yourself. Perhaps you're stepping into a new season of life and there's uncertainty that is unsettling you. Perhaps you're here and you're really wrestling with doubts about your faith. You're thinking of deconstructing. Do I really believe what I thought I believe? Perhaps you are here physically, but mentally and emotionally, you're actually worrying, what if, what if, what if, like me in Inverness Airport last Sunday. We are living in an unstable world, a volatile world. And so I think it's highly likely that some, if not all of us, come to church today with an anxious heart. We're wondering, is God really in control of my present chaos? And if he is in control, is he really good and beautiful? Does he really reign in beautiful strength? See, and as we said earlier, what makes the Psalms so uniquely special is that they speak for us. They give us words for that reality. They put words in our mouth that we can use to process our experiences. See, Psalm 93 is written by an anxious person living in an unstable world. It's written by us. We see it in verse 3. I mean, just look and listen to the progression of this verse. It begins with the psalmist informing God, like he didn't know. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. I mean, it's as if he has noticed a damp patch in his roof, and he thinks, oh, maybe God's my landlord, and he doesn't know about it. I better give him a ring just to, to flag up. There's some water coming in through the roof. But God doesn't seem to respond, does he? Look, the flood progresses. It's not just lifted up, it begins to lift up its voice. The noise increases as the sound progresses. The damp patch on the roof gets bigger and there's a steady stream dripping in. You're hearing it drip, 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 drip into the house. God knows, but he hasn't done anything. And even then, God doesn't seem to act. And so the flood that was lifting up its voice begins to roar. The house is filling up with water, uh, uh, it's so much water 
that it sounds like they're standing underneath Niagara Falls. I've never been there, but I have family who have been who say that you can't talk to each other when you're in Niagara Falls because of the, the sound of the water. Do you hear how the, the, do you see how the water is lifting and the noise is rising? Can you imagine the panic in the psalmist as the waters go from his ankles to his knees to his waist, as the noise goes from not much to drip, drip, drip to loud roaring? Can, can you feel the anxiety inside of him rising up? Uh, I, I'm not in control of this. God doesn't seem to be doing anything about this. Am I going to drown? Can you feel the panic in his heart? Do you hear the noise of the flood? See, Psalm 93 reflects the reality of life, doesn't it? What he describes there is how I felt in Inverness Airport a week ago. Each of us can relate to being in situations that are out of control, where things seem to go bad, it seems to go from bad to worse, that the flood seems to be getting higher and higher, the noise seems to be getting louder and louder, and so that we can't see or hear anything else. Maybe that's where you're at today. If so, then I want you to hear God's voice over the roaring waters through Psalm 93. Through the noise of the flood, hear him say to you, whatever you're facing, I am stronger than it. We see that in verse 4. When in the noisy chaos of the flood, the psalmist declares that God is mightier than the thunders of many waters and mightier than the waves of the sea. He is waist deep in flood water, but the psalmist declares, the Lord on high is mighty. The point is that no matter how loud the flood is, no matter how deep the flood is, God is in control of it. Our God is the king who reigns over the floods. As Ethan the Ezraite puts it in Psalm 89 for us, you rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. Our God is a king, our, our king who is God, our God, King God, our God and King, there we go, is stronger than the floods. He rules in strength. And we see that reality lived out in the person of Jesus Christ, don't we? So step into my TARDIS and let's travel back a moment to the Sea of Galilee 2,000 years ago. There we find Jesus on a boat with his disciples. He is sleeping in the back. And they sail out onto the Sea of Galilee, which was famous for its storms. And lo and behold, they get caught in a great storm. A storm so great that the boat is being swallowed up. The waves are coming over the top. The boat is filling up. And I can imagine the disciples in there with their buckets, or even just their hands, trying to like, do their best to get the water out of the boats. 
but there's nothing they can do. This situation is out of their control. It's chaotic. And so they think that the flood is going to drown them. And in panic, they wake Jesus up. Saying, don't you care that we're going to die? The flood is rising. They think they're going to die. And what does Jesus do? He steps into the noise and the chaos of their life and he rebukes the wind and the sea. In one moment, the noise disappears. The sea, the waves go flat and the chaos is replaced by great calm. Our God rules the raging seas. He stills the rising waters. He reigns in strength. In the chaos of life, God wants you and I to know he's a mighty king. No matter how high the waters rise, he's higher. No matter how loud the flood roars, he is stronger. In the chaos of life, God wants us to know that he is a mighty king. He has put on strength as his belt. No matter what we face, he has it under control. Now that should be reassuring, shouldn't it? It should be, but God's strength alone isn't enough to fully assure us in the floods of life. You see, strong leaders can be dangerous leaders, can't they? See, good leaders use their power for the good of their people, but bad leaders use their power to harm their people. We could look at many examples of that throughout history. And so if God is only a strong king, then you and I might have some reassurance in the floods, but it's uncertain reassurance, isn't it? It may be that he's using the flood for our good, but it might also be that he's using the flood to harm us. And so God being mighty helps us to trust him, but doesn't mean we can fully trust him. You see, if God is mighty but bad, like a villain in a film, we find safety from running and hiding from him. But that's not the reality Psalm 93 describes for us, is it? Have a look at verse 5. The psalmist says, Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Now notice this. Is there anywhere in this psalm where it looks like the floods have gone? No. There isn't a hint that the situation has changed. We're not told that the flood waters have drained away. We're not told that God has calmed the sea for them. We haven't been told that the noise has suddenly been put onto mute. It, it, it's in the chaos of the flood that the psalmist is able to express his trustworthy in God, his trust in God. 
he sees the exceeding faithfulness of God while he's in the floods. Why? Because God's not only a mighty God, is he? He's not only a strong king. He is a holy God. He's a beautiful king. Our king is pure. He is dazzling light in whom there is no trace of darkness. And so everything that God does all the time is pure and right and good. He is faithful every day and forevermore. And so if it's true that we can never go back to a day where God hasn't reigning, isn't reigning in beautiful strength, the psalm finishes by pointing us forward, meaning that if we jumped into a time machine and stepped into the future, we will never arrive in a day when God is not reigning in beautiful strength. You will not wake up one future day I find that God has ceased to be beautiful and good and holy. There won't be a moment of a day where that's the case. And so we find safety in the floods, not by running from God in fear, but by running to God in trust. He is our refuge, our shield, our safe place. He, he's the hero of the story, not the villain, the one who saves us from the evil. And again, we see that reality lived out in the person of Jesus Christ, don't we? Step into my TARDIS one more time and come back with me to the Garden of Gethsemane. The night before Jesus Christ goes to the cross, alone, he's sweating, blood drop, he's sweating drops of blood, knowing the flood that is coming towards him on the cross. And through those sweat drops of blood, he prays these words. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. It's the strength of God. If you're willing, you can remove the cup. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. On the cross, Jesus experienced the ultimate flood. He suffered for the sins of his people. He took the punishment that we deserve. The full fury of hell is poured out on Christ. And he went there from the garden because he trusted in the goodness of his Father's will. And because he trusted in the goodness of his Father's will, we can trust in the goodness of the Father's will. How do we know that God is good and, and pure and holy and for our goods? Here's how. Because Jesus left the garden and went to the cross on our behalf. It's because God loves us that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him might not die but have everlasting life.
God loves us so much that he did not spare his only son but gave him up for us all. God is for you. He loves you. He is good and right. His commands are trustworthy. He is exceedingly faithful in everything he does. Now that doesn't mean that God is going to open the plug and drain the flood waters away. It doesn't mean that he's going to calm the sea for us in a moment. We know that, don't we? We still walk through the noisy chaos of the floods. But we do so with hope. We do so trusting in the promise that because Jesus died and he rose again, that there will be one day, whether in this life or the life to come, when God will drain the waters away, when the floods will fall silent, and where we will be with him in a flood-free world forever, ever, and ever. And so we walk through the noisy chaos of the floods, trusting our Father, holding his hand in the noise and the chaos. See, this is what's incredible. The floods we face now are preparing us for the future to come. Your loving Heavenly Father is working all things together for your good. He's preparing you for an eternal weight of glory that is beyond all comparison. He's refining your faith through the floods, so that you will trust him more deeply and love him more dearly. As Lucy says of Aslan in Narnia, is he safe? No. But he's good. And so we trust him. Psalm 93 gives us words when we're in the chaos of life. It teaches us that our God reigns in beautiful strength and so we can trust him in the flood. Matt and I chatted, chatted some of this through yesterday and he asked, what do you think it looks like for us to trust God practically? What does it look like to trust God in the flood? And there's two things that we came up with. Based on this psalm, the first one is we trust God by praying to God. This psalm gives us words. And what do we find? The psalmist is saying, verse 3, the floods have lifted up, O Lord. He tells God about his experience. Lord, this is chaos. It's out of control. I don't know what to do. There's rain, streams, floods pouring in through the roof. And so we trust God by praying to God, by bringing our real experience to him. He cares. He knows. We can do that. But we trust God by preaching to ourselves as well. The truth of the psalm. God is king. He reigns. 
and he reigns in beautiful strength. And so we preach that to ourselves. We see that lived out perfectly by Jesus. And then we ask the Spirit to help us follow his example. So as we land this plane, let's be honest. I'm just some random guy from Scotland. I don't know most of you in this room. I don't know any of you really in enough depth to know what the floods are that are rising in your life right now. I don't know the noise that you're living through. But this I know. And I know this because Psalm 93 tells us that our God is a strong and beautiful king who all of us can trust in the floods. So let me encourage you today to trust him afresh, whether for the first time or the thousandth time. Bring your real life, your messy, noisy chaos to God and preach these truths to yourself. See them lived out in Jesus and rest in the fact that your king reigns in beautiful strength. Take his hand and trust him in the flood. Let's pray. Father, I don't know the situations of the people sitting in this room. Lord, I don't know the floods that they may be facing. I don't know the noise that they might be living with at the moment. But you do. And so Lord, I pray that in your sovereign goodness, you would speak into the lives of each of us. Lord, I ask that in your sovereign goodness you would help us to see your beauty and your strength and to trust in you afresh today. Thank you that you're strong. Thank you that you're good. Thank you that we can trust in you. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name. Amen.